Welcome back to the Discovering Commercial Real Estate Podcast. Our guest today is a partner and director of originations at WeLend, Solomon Sulemanov. Solomon, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. Um, so can you walk us through your journey in commercial real estate? How did you get to this point today? Absolutely. So um, it's a great question. Uh, I started back in 2000 and 2012, 2000, actually, no, I'm sorry, 2010. Uh, I got a call from my cousin, Ruben, and he's like, hey, he's like, I have this job for you, um, you know, cold calling people for loan modifications on their properties. At that time, I had no idea what a loan modification was. I've never done cold calling before. I was fresh out of high school. So I was like, all right, and I was looking for a job. I'm like, all right, let's do it. Um, I came in, uh, worked for a few months, um, was getting a lot of no's. I probably have, I maybe have, maybe had closed one deal. Um, and then I came out to him, I'm like, hey, I, I don't think this is for me right now. And, um, you know, I, I think I'm done for now. So he's like, all right, he's like, think about it. Let me know what you want to do. Um, and at that time, my mom was also kind of pushing me to go into pharmacy school. So I was like, you know what, let me let me try it out. Maybe I'll, I'll, uh, I'll become a pharmacist. So I was working at a pharmacy for about a year. Didn't like that either. Then got another call from Ruben in 2013. He's like, um, he's like, listen, uh, we're going on our own now. Uh, let me know if you want to join and let's see what we can do. So um, I was like, all right, you know what, let me give this another shot. Um, let me see if I, if I like it and, and maybe some things have changed. Um, jumped on, uh, you know, cold calling once again. Um, you know, he, he helped me out there a lot, walked me through it, uh, helped me with my pitch and the whole nine. So I was able to overcome that, you know, um, I guess that fear of, of uh, you know, cold calling. And I got to the point where I was, you know, door knocking at people's homes in, in Bushwick, Bed-Stuy and trying to see if they want to sell their homes. That was a very interesting time in my life. Um, and in um, 2014, 2015, we started buying up a, a decent amount of real estate. Um, Brooklyn, Queens, the Bronx, uh, Staten Island as well. So we were fixing, flipping, developing, wholesaling deals as well. And in 2018, we decided to uh, to open up WeLend. Um, and to date, we've uh, we funded a little north of 500 million um, in loans across various asset classes, but majority of one to fours and, and multifamily type properties. So awesome. Great. Yeah. And what do you think is it about the debt business that kind of attracts you and keeps you going? That is a good question. I like being on the debt side a little bit more than on the acquisition side because you're able to you're you're able to literally see what your borrowers are doing, like maybe your your competition back in the day and see how they think and how they operate and how they make they play their moves and how their chessboard just goes around. I, I really love and I enjoy seeing that. And there are a few borrowers that I I, uh, I speak to directly all, all the time. And I'm like, hey, you know, what are your thoughts on the market? You know, what are your thoughts on, on these areas? And I just like, you know, you just have some nice conversations and, and understand where, where the markets are going. And just picking their brain is, is great. Um, so that's probably my favorite side on the debt side is where we're able to see exactly how these deals play out and how they're able to get these deals. And, you know, I know, you know, everyone thinks that real estate is, uh, has all these glitz and glamours, but there's a lot of back end work mm. where it's like, it's you're, 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 you're putting in a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of effort, and it's really not, not that, uh, sexy as they say. So got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what do you think you'd be doing career-wise if not commercial real estate? If Ruben didn't, Ruben didn't make that phone call? If I was not doing commercial real estate, I'd most likely be in tech right now. 
Um, as a kid, you know, um, all my family members would always reach out to me and be like, hey, you know, we, we need some help for uh, our computer, our phone, whatever the case is. So I was that kid that was in the family where everyone reached out to me for, with their tech problems. Um, so I, I definitely would have been in, in tech. Um, I actually went to, to Pace University for computer science. Uh, I dropped out um, and it ended up in real estate. So Awesome. Yeah. That's great. Um, and can you talk us through some of the benefits associated with um, working with a private lender like WeLend? That is a very good question. Absolutely. So, I mean, working with private lenders, I think, is very important. I, the most important part, I feel like, working with a private lender is building that relationship with the lender, right? When, when things go wrong, things go south in the market, you want to make sure that you have a reliable lender by your side. And for us, that's one of the most important things, right? Um, having that customer service, being able to be there for our borrowers when, whenever they're in need. Um, and we were able to prove that in, uh, during the pandemic when we were still lending, you know, we, we, we did stop lending for about a period of like two to two to four weeks. Uh, but then we got back on track. Um, so I think that's one of the most important things working with a lender. Um, I mean, look, it it all truly comes down to service. You know, every, every lender offers the same exact thing, right. But, uh, private lender offers the same thing, but it truly comes down to service Mm -hmm. and, and who you're working with, how you're working with. Um, speed for us is another huge component, right? You know, we're able to close deals anywhere from like seven to 14 business days. Um, I would say like, what it was like a last month, uh, I had a borrower reach out to me and say, Hey, you know, I have a TOE, I have a time of the essence on on another deal. And I I need to close, uh, as soon as possible. It was a mixed use property in Brooklyn. Um, reached out to Barry Valuations. Shout out Barry. You guys are amazing. Uh, reached out to them. They got me an appraisal back literally within 24 hours oh, wow. on a mixed-use property. Um, and we were at the closing table within uh, 72 hours. That's so amazing. Three days. That's great. Yeah. Um, and let's say somebody wants to acquire an asset, but they have no experience. How does WeLend kind of work with them to make it happen? So we love working with first-time borrowers. Um, there are a few asset classes that we, we tell them to I don't want to say shy away from, but I would say wait until you gain some experience and then enter into them. Uh, generally speaking, if it's your first time fixing and flipping, you know, we'd say, hey, you probably want to get into a deal where it's like a one to a four unit, you know, resident- a residential type property where you're going to fix and flip. Um, generally speaking, we have them put like 30% down. Um, but yeah, we we handhold throughout the whole entire process because we understand this is their first transaction. Right. They have no idea how most of the stuff works. Um, so we, we handhold from A to Z. So from contract all the way to, to closing. Okay, great. Yeah. And what are some of those asset classes that you tell borrowers to avoid? Uh, definitely would say avoid anything commercial related, retail related, um, hotels. multifamily, hotels, motels, um, definitely ground up, right? Definitely ground up. So that, that's another huge one where I have so many people reaching out. And they're like, hey, I have this beautiful ground up deal. The numbers pencil out. The numbers make sense. I'm like, this looks amazing. But, you know, you've, you have no experience, right? So, like, you want to gain some experience fixing and flipping and, and rehabbing properties um, and then get into, uh, you know, ground ups. But, you know, what we do also have them do is um, sometimes they, they partner up with uh, some investors that have more experience than them. So they don't pass up on the deal. Hmm. And then we're, we're able to fund their deals that way as well. So. Okay, got it. Understood. Okay. Uh, and Solomon, we talked before this about how real estate is not just a game about the asset and the numbers. It's also a game about personalities and people. Yeah. So how do you go about managing personalities and people and kind of bringing them to the closing table? 
there's a lot of personalities in real estate. I learned that the hard way. Um, <laughs> you know, before when I just got it, I'm like, all right, it's just all about the numbers. It's just all about the deals. And then when I started dealing with people, and I think real estate is probably the most, uh, is the number one business where you deal with the most people, right? Because you have, um, you have, of course, the seller, you have the buyer, you have the attorneys on both sides, uh, you have the closing agent, and you have title. So there's so many, you know, so many components. Um, I try to be as neutral as possible and not take anyone's side um, and just try to get the deals to the closing table. Um, there are definitely times where, you know, your, your emotions get the best of you. Um, but I, I try to keep it cool as, as much as possible. Um, and I mean, listen, real estate, especially on the private lending side, it's very pa- fast paced, mm. you know? So, um, you, you want to make sure that, you know, the deal is done properly. You know, the majority of the times our borrowers come to us with a TOE, the time of the essence, they need to close yesterday. Mm. Uh, there might be some cloud on title, whatever the case is. So, um, we we try to be you know neutral as possible and, and just try to get the deal deal closed. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Understood. And I want to know about States Capital. Mm. Um, what gap is filled in the market by this company? Um, and are there any creative strategies that you employ to outperform the market with this fund? So States Capital is the debt fund. Um, it's pretty much like a, I guess a subsidiary of WeLend. Um, so that's where we raise our capital for the fund. Um, a very interesting question that you, you you just asked as well. You know, how are you outperforming the market? Um, I'm glad that you brought that up because we recently just launched a um, a new program. It's, it's the uh, foreclosure bailout rescue loans. Oh, okay. So we're seeing right now in the market, we're seeing a lot of investors not being able to get takeout loans on a lot of their properties for obvious reasons, right? Because the rates are going up, you know, deals are just not penciling out. The debt service ratios are just a lot lower than what they projected it to be. Um, you know, maybe they ran out of capital to complete the project. So what we're doing today is we're coming in and we're giving them rescue capital, um, and being able to take them out from their current lenders, give them a, a, a brand new fresh loan, allow them to reposition their asset, either trade it or be able to refinance out, um, you know, without accruing in default interest, without them being able, you know, without them losing their property Mm. to, to foreclosure. Um, so that's a one great way right now that we are, um, you know, we're, we're juicing up the returns for, for our investors in the fund is through that rescue, uh, bailout program. Okay. Awesome. And how do you kind of, so what's the, what's the target return for the, for the fund? So the target, so on, on the, um, on the foreclosure bailout rescue side, so the target return there right now is, that's a good question. I think it's like around 18 or 19%. And how do you kind of manage the risk associated with such a risky or High return. Yeah, I mean, there we're definitely it's it's no lie, right? We're we're lending on risky borrowers, right? But the most important thing to us is that hey, the the asset's good, right? Mm-hmm. So right now we're working on a deal uh, in Hudson Yards. It's twenty two resi and two commercial. Um, you know, of course we want to see, we want to understand the story behind the borrower, like, like what exactly happened with mm-hmm. the deal. You know, why are you in default with your current lender? Like, what's going on, right? If it's a valid reason as to why we'll have no issue with with moving forward with the deal. But if it's like a borrower that says, hey, I decided to stop making payments because it was COVID and, you know, now, um, you know, I want to get this thing wrapped up, we're, we're kind of going to be iffy about it. But to go back to that Hudson Yards deal, um, you know, we're lending up to 65% of what the, of the as-is mm-hmm. value. Um, we also want to make sure that our the borrowers has enough skin in the game. We are, we're also looking at the after repair value of the property, uh, the upside, 
um, and just making sure that you know everything clicks. Um, but again, you know the asset class that we're really looking at there are multifamily, mixed use, and we'll, we'll also take a look at Resi to one to fours. Okay, awesome. And for somebody who wants to kind of invest in real estate, what's the difference on their end between investing in a private equity fund or a private debt fund or just buying assets outright? Uh, I think that that really depends on what returns they're looking for. Um, if you're looking for juiced up returns, I think you always would want to go and, and buy on your own um, because generally speaking, the ROIs that we're seeing from our borrowers today, I would say is ranging from like 40 to 50% on their money. Right. So if you're looking to make 50% on your money, I would definitely say go out there and, and, and buy your own deals. Um, the equity side, I, I, I think generally speaking, the equity side has a higher return than the debt side. But of course, you're you're the most secure on on, on the debt side, of course, yeah. you know. So, um, you know, we we Ruben always has this one story that we always say we had a deal in the Bronx. It was it was a two family home that we purchased to fix and flip, and um, at the end of, at, at the end of the day, what happened there was we lost about fifty or sixty thousand dollars on that deal, mm. um, and our lender made his fourteen percent. And, and, you know, we, we paid him off and, you know, he, he made his money and we lost and we're like, damn, you know, the Got lender it. at the end of the day always gets paid mm. and they always get their way. Um, so that's why I always say like, that side is always more secure than, than the equity side. Um, and guys also like, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're going to be getting into real estate, don't ever think that every single deal is going to be a winner. There's always going to be something that's going to pop up where it's, it's going to be tight. Um, and you, you might lose some money, but um, that should definitely not slow you down. Mm. You should definitely learn from those types of deals and see what mistakes you've made and and progress and learn from them. So I mean, that's huge. Awesome. Great. Um, and I want to talk about location. So your primary focus is on the East Coast. Yeah. Could you kind of describe your thought process behind this? So the thought process behind that is we're New York City based guys. So like Prior to getting into lending, we were fixing, flipping, and developing. So New York City is our backyard. So we know the market, you know, uh, through and through, right? So that was the biggest reason as to why we were, you know, the Northeast type of uh, type of lenders. Uh, we also understand the Jersey market as well. We've we've purchased some properties out there as well. Um, Massachusetts market, we 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 mm. fully understand. Uh, Connecticut as well. But now we're also venturing down into Florida. Mm. You know, I mean, who is not, right? This, New York Six Borough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. New York Six Borough. I heard that on like uh, on, on an Instagram post. I'm like, wow, that's <laughs> genius. I like that one. Um, yeah, it means we're, we're also venturing down in Florida. But the real reason is because, you know, we're New York City based. So closer to home, um, you know, we and that's where we really understand the markets. But um, we still lend nationwide, you know. So we still have some deals that we've funded in Texas. I think the most... Uh, where was where was the recent state? I think in Alaska. We, no, I'm sorry, Hawaii. Oh wow, we funded a deal in Hawaii. Yeah, it was interesting. I I literally went on Google Maps to take a look at the property. I'm like, wow, wow, that's great. This is life in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Um, and can you tell us about the first deal that you worked on as an investor? Sure. The first deal I worked on as an investor was actually that deal that we we lost some money <laughs> on, um, in the Bronx. Um, took it from A to Z. Uh, actually, no, that was not the first deal. There was another deal that I, I, we, I, I did in the Bronx. So it was actually, we, we didn't close on it. We flipped our contract. So we entered into contract with the seller. Um, and at that time, you know, uh, we really didn't have a lot of money. So 
when you don't have much money, you're like, all right, you know, the best next best thing before flipping is going to be wholesaling, mm. right? So, um, found the deal, uh, got in contact with the seller. Um, you know, she liked who we were, entered into contract. A um, few weeks later, I uh, reached out to a couple of players in the industry and, uh, you know, uh, we flipped our contract to them. And um, that was probably the, the quickest uh, quickest deal I, I saw. Awesome. Um, you know, it was great. And then I had a couple of more like that in, in Brooklyn and in Queens. But um, on, on the fix and flip side, there, there were a few good ones. There was a really good one that we had in, uh, in Brooklyn. It was like, I would think it was like a four family. Hmm. It's a really nice deal. And can you tell us about a deal that kind of you thought would be a layup, but it ended up not being a layup? Oh, absolutely. Ended up being a problem. <laughs> absolutely. That, that deal that we were just talking about on, on Bruner Avenue in the Bronx. Okay. Um, I believe we purchased that one for like four fifty, and uh, we put in about like seventy grand into construction. Mm. Um, then there was a whole slew of problems. I think it was we had problems with either the foundation or something in the basement, um, and then you know we we ended up selling it at a, a fifty thousand dollars loss. Mm. So that one was we were our after repair value there was I believe like it was like six fifty or like seven hundred at that time. Um, I mean, the numbers might be a, a bit off, mm. but um, you know we were like, all right, this deal is a layup, quick touch up. You know, uh, don't have to do a gut renovation in there, fix up the property, um, and it, com- it came out to be a complete bust. Got it. So yeah, that was one of the few. I think that was maybe that might actually be the the only one that we lost money on. Okay, got it. Yeah. And if you were dropped into a random market, um, let's say in Wyoming, how would you go about kind of becoming a market leader and learning the market? From day one. Very good question. How would I become a market leader and learn from the market? Um, def- so the first thing I would do is I, I would probably reach out to all the real estate brokers mm. within that market and try to get an understanding as to, you know, what deals are selling for, um, you know, what deals they might have in their pipeline. Uh, but two, I, I think the best way for you to find and create your own deals, well, for you to find the best deals and have the highest ROI is creating your own deals, mm. right? Um that is going to require you to literally, you know, go on to whatever state that you're 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 focusing in on, um, pull up all, all their pre foreclosure type properties or or um, other types of leads within that area. Generally speaking, pre foreclosure um, properties that have like missing uh, missing owners. Um, also, you know, driving around within neighborhoods and seeing what homes look like mm. they're in distress. Maybe, uh, you know, reaching out to those people as well. And literally trying, you know, generate that into an Excel. Get their phone numbers, mailing, right? Send them out mailers. And literally go door knocking mm. um, within that area. And then speak to people and realtors and brokers. Um, and, and try to get a feel for, for, those, for those people. Um, I think in in real estate, I think your number one thing truly is marketing, mm. right? You need to market every single second. I think Bob Nat what Bob Nackle says is it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Right. And I, I love that. That, <laughs> that sticks with me when I heard. It, I'm like, wow, he is so right. It's like who knows you. So um, I know I have a few borrowers that literally, you know, what they're doing is they're mining for you know for for data within the within those specific areas whether it be pre-foreclosure, you know, uh, missing owners, um, and also, you know, building relationships with brokers. I think a lot of investors really, um, 
not shy away, but um, they, what's the word I'm looking for? They, they really don't appreciate that relationship with, with these uh, agents, right? These real estate brokers. Because a lot of these brokers generally have really good deals as well. Um, you know, when, when, when these investors come and they start negotiating maybe 1% or 2% off their commission, it's like shooting yourself in the foot, right? right? It's like, ah, you know, like they're like, all right, you know, next time I have a deal, I'm definitely not reaching out to this mm. person. Um, so I think it's huge building those relationships. Um, but the biggest thing, in my opinion, is, you know, creating your own leads mm. and reaching out to them. And as far as creating that relationship, do you think it's important to kind of sacrifice short-term profit and kind of leave some meat on the bone for the person that you're doing business with to kind of create that long-term outlook? Absolutely. Without a doubt. You know, it's, it's a long, long-term play, right? In real estate, you're here for the long-term play, mm. right? You're not here for the short-term. So right. I, I think uh, if you're doing anything in real estate, it's o- always looking at it long-term. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and when you're buying an asset, um, how do you bring a seller with insane pricing expectations back down to earth? Ooh, that, that resonates in today's market a lot. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> it's tough, man, because, you know, if you have a seller today in today's market, if they refied out, you know, like two years ago at a 3% rate, there's really no way to incentivize them to move out, right? right? Well, well, I'll keep it. I'll keep it real. Um, that's why I always tell you know my borrowers and and people seeking advice. I say, hey, how can I find deals and I can get it done quick? You always want to focus on people that are um, looking to really sell, right? Like have a fire sale, um, whether they be in pre foreclosure, whether they're moving to a different state, different country, whatever the case may be, whether it be a probate. Um, those are generally the easiest ways mm. for you to be able to negotiate with the sellers. Um, in today's market, it's so tough. I, I feel like there's no way to really incentivize them because if you're in a 3% mortgage today, you're looking at homes for sale, prices really haven't gone right. down much. Right. And today's rate, I think the rate today is like over 7%. Yeah. So it's tough. Right. It's definitely tough. And with this kind of market environment, um, what would you recommend for someone that just graduated college to get into? Should they get into brokerage, lending, acquisitions? What should they do? Where do you see the opportunity? I think, in my opinion, I, I think initially, if you have no experience in real estate, right, you definitely want to get onto the brokerage side, mm-hmm. right? You want to be an agent for a little bit. You want to understand how the whole entire process works, right? You want to see, hey, you know, you, you want to be a rental agent. You want to see how that process works, how you deal with tenants. Um, and then after that, you know, you, you become a seller's agent or buyer's agent. You understand how that process works. Mm. Um, and then from there, you know, you, because r- when you're a seller's agent, right, wh- what are you really doing, right? You're comping out these properties, saying, hey, I, this probably can probably sell for X, Y, and Z. Um, I can get the deal done at that rate. Um, and you're still negotiating, right? So you're also building your negotiating skills. You're also building your sales skills, right? Because you really need that. And especially when you're going on the acquisition side, you really need sales skills. Um, so I, I would suggest starting off as an agent and then becoming a wholesaler, right? Wholesaling some deals and then, uh, becoming a, uh, a full-blown real estate investor. I think, uh, starting from the bottom and, and just growing yourself Working up is huge. Up. Yeah, exactly. Okay, great. And as far as the sales skills, um, how long did it take for you to kind of really get it and be able to, um, understand psychology and understand what exactly is going on? To this day, I'm still learning. Okay. Um, today, to this day, I'm still learning on the sales side without a doubt. And I, I feel like, you know, a person that doesn't grow on a daily basis stops growing completely. Mm. Um, and no one really knows everything. Um, 
So I, it definitely took me about, I would want to say, four to five years mm. to really understand the psychology part, uh, to really understand how to speak to people and digest their information, what they would want to hear, um, rebuttals, et cetera, right? Um, there are some courses that I actually took. Um, I'm sure you know who this person is, uh, Jordan uh, Belfort. Belfort. Yeah. yeah, he had a few really good courses. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, he's a salesperson. Right. You know, he really knows how to speak to people. He's really good. And, you know, when when I just got into the industry in 2013, YouTube was like, there was no videos on real estate right. on YouTube at all. Zero. I was like trying to, you know, Google stuff. There's like nothing popping up. So I was trying to figure it out on my own. I was always, I would always go to my, my brother, Moses or Ruben, and try to get some ideas as to how I should pitch, what I should pitch. Uh, their their thing was I, I was always aggressive okay. on the phone, so I I kind of kind of calmed down on that side, um, and you know in today's day and age, dude, you literally go on YouTube and there's so many videos out there for mm. you to really learn how to be good in sales and Got what it. you know what rebuttals you can use, etc. So technology is a beautiful thing today. Understood. Yeah. Okay, um, and what do you think kept you going after? Let's say you faced a week of rejection. What what like kind of got you to restart that same thing the next Monday? In other um, words, what was your why? Well, at that time, I was already I I dropped out of college, and I'm like I know nothing else other than real estate. Um, I always had my brother and Ruben always pushing me. Got it. So I I think it's very important having someone there always cheering you on, and um, you know when you want to quit, they're there like dude, you should not quit. You know, mm. you should keep going and pushing forward. Mm. So I, I think that's really important. So um, that that was uh, my why. Okay. okay. And at the end of the day, I, listen, I, I I understood that real estate had money in it. I'm like, all right, there has to be a way I, I can figure this out. Right. You know, so that, that was another big reason. Okay, understood. Um, and Solomon, I want to ask about AI. So you have um, a background in tech and a background in computer science. How do you see AI kind of changing real estate? And how do you see technology and real estate mixing in the next, let's say, two, three decades? So we, we it's funny you mentioned that because we just updated our website and we added ChatGPT okay. into the chatbot. Uh-huh. So that's one way of adding. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you can consider that AI, but now like we literally programmed um, ChatGPT to be able to spit out answers and like um, um, questions, whatever the case may be for like real estate investors, brokers. Uh, so that's one huge way. Another way I really see AI and real estate coming together is on the transaction side. Um, and we've seen a few of those already, not us personally, but in, in, the, in the industry where, you know, blockchain was used for uh, selling and, and purchasing. So that's one huge way I feel like it's going to be used. And that's going to be like your title mm. and deed, right, to, to a property where that can never be altered or erased. Um, and also, I, I feel like, you know, canvassing and finding, you know, real estate investments, I think that's going to be a huge, huge one as well. So, mm. you know, we, we might have, you know, there's some, some of our borrowers have analysts at work um, and look at spreadsheets all day. I feel like that might, I don't want to say obsolete, won't, will be obsolete, but I feel like there's going to be a lot less of those. Got it. Um, in the coming years. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And let's say somebody wants to get into prop tech out of college. Um, do you think now is a good time or are we late? How, how, does real estate adapt with technology? Is it slow or fast? I think real estate adapting to technology is super slow. Um, so I think now is still a perfect time to kind get in, early without stages. a doubt. Yeah. 
Yeah, because I mean, look again, what we were saying earlier, right? It's like real estate is probably the most human interactive business um, out today, right. right? And it's really tough to to disrupt it. Um, I I've known a few players that have tried doing it. it it's it's hard. Got it. uh, it's hard to break through, but I, I feel like now is a perfect time to get in. Awesome, without Great. a doubt. Okay. And when you envision your retirement, what does that look like for you? Um, it's funny you mentioned that. I was actually speaking to uh, to a couple of my friends last week. I definitely probably would. Um, you know how you, there are days where you just work, 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 and you're like, all right, I want to relax. And you get home, and you're relaxing. And you're like, all right, I want to work. This is it. I, <laughs> I need to get back to work. Um, but I, the way I see myself retiring is most likely um, having like an acquisitions team on the side. Um, I, I'm thinking about like moving to Europe, awesome. um, retiring out in Europe on a nice yacht, nice home. Sick. <laughs> um, yeah, but definitely, definitely always stick into real estate. Now, anytime like I'm on vacation in Europe, I always go online and I try to find like, you know, what are the properties going for? Like, are there any distressed homes mm. within the areas? Like, what are, you know, what niche can you find within those markets um, to, you know, to take advantage of? But um, but yeah, that that would be my plan. Okay, great. No. And what do you what, what would you say drives you nowadays? Is it money, personal achievement, family, or philanthropy, or a mix of all four? Um, I would say a mixture of the four, but definitely family is mm. huge. Um, I'm not married yet, still single, but I know when you know once that comes, you're gonna give it your huge all. Huge obligation, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, you know, um. I, I love real estate. You know, I love what I do. There are days where it's really tough and you're like, all right, I want out. Um, but overall, I, I, I love it. Awesome. That's yeah. great. And I have my final question to wrap this up, Solomon. What advice would you give to your 22-year-old self? What advice would I give to my 22-year-old self? I probably would say go to school for finance. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and really. Probably yeah, and and still stick to to real estate, uh, but definitely get uh, my finance degree. Awesome, yeah, great. Okay, Solomon, thanks so much. This has been great. Awesome, Super thanks valuable. for having me. Appreciate it. Great.